Welcome to the Bird's Eye View Podcast. I'm Jeff McLean here along with Zach Byrne down here at the Novacare Complex. Tuesday, obviously Eagles coming off, bitter loss down in New Orleans to the Saints, 48-7. But they still have something to play for, Zach. They got the Giants starting this Sunday. Three-game stretch against NFC East opponents. They're not out of it for all intents and purposes. But the message we got from the locker room today, specifically from safety Malcolm Jenkins, who did not talk after the game, was one that you know raises uh, some questions about what he said specifically was the demeanor of the defense as they were basically getting their asses whooped on Sunday. Um, why don't you fill in the uh, listeners in pretty much what he said? Yeah, he, he said you can either uh, take it lying down or, or you can take it swinging. He said when it's at that point when it's a blowout, the you're you're getting blown out regardless. So how are you going to take it? And he saw a, a little bit of both, and he really put the pressure on his teammates on himself. They got this fixed quickly. He 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 said that they 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 can't expect the to click a switch, to turn on a switch, and all of a sudden be the team everyone thinks. It needs to start right now. It needs to start today. Um, you know Malcolm well. I, I, I know Malcolm. We've, we've, we've both been around him since 2014. He uses his, his words very carefully. He knows what he's saying. And I think this was a message, A, that needed to be said. But, B, I think it's a problem that um, it's come to this point. I think it's a problem also when one of the players is saying it and the head coach isn't saying it. Well said. I agree there. Or the defensive coordinator isn't saying it. On Jim's end, although I think to Jim's defense, it's tough to say when you're not the head coach. But the biggest problem is that it's happening. That this team last year, like Jason Kelsey said on the Rocky Steps, hungry dogs run faster. And they were aggressive, tough, resilient. This year, that term, flip a switch, I've heard it so many times. And I really think this team thinks they can just flip a switch and it'll all all go back to what it was. Well, they certainly weren't able to flip it. They're going to have to flip if they want to have any chance of making the playoffs. But before we get to how they're going to turn it around – uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh, Malcolm's comments, just per se. Like, you know, I got to watch the film very closely to see if I saw any guys giving less than full effort. I don't think that was the issue. I don't think that's specifically what Malcolm was talking about. Um, and and Brandon Graham backed up his he backed up Malcolm's comments, but he also said he didn't see guys quitting. I think there's a difference between quitting on a play and just like not playing certain way mm-hmm. that you that you're accustomed to that winning teams are accustomed to and I think that was probably what Malcolm was referencing I also felt like he probably felt it was embarrassing it was embarrassing to lose that way and I think especially for him because he was going back to playing against his old team and embarrassing when you're getting whooped and the other team throws at you on fourth and seven and you have nothing you can do about it and um and that was Malcolm and, and but- they're, they're not criticizing Sean Payton no, uh, although I mean, but that was Malcolm who got beat on that fourth and seven. But in Malcolm's defense, he he played that he played that hard. He was running after Kamara. Alvin Kamara just beat him. But it's embarrassing, um, and maybe he's looking for more fire from guys. Um, well, I'll say this too: last week when Jim Schwartz was talking about the run defense, and he was talking about tackling, and he compared last year to this year, and he said last swarmed. year they were they swarmed all over the place. And this year, that's not happening. What's that an indication of? The swarmers usually come from the guy, the, the defensive lineman running back upfield, 
And that's it's like yeah, that's it's, a demeanor. To, to, to that's me. demeanor, right? That's, like, that's and the, that's the little stuff. If you have yeah. to play in this, you have to play this game. You have to watch that a lot, like we have over the last whatever how many years to really know what that. I mean, like earlier this season, how many times did we see Fletcher Cox running down a guy five or six or seven yards downfield? You know, I don't know if we're seeing that. I'm not saying Fletcher in particular, but I haven't been seeing that from a defensive lineman. Yeah, I, like I just think it's it's, it's, it's not going that, guy, that extra step. It's it's not that 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 guys aren't trying because I don't think people are dogging it out there. But it's going it's going yeah. that extra and it's step. having that certain attitude. It's well, like, it's like you know, it's like I've seen you when a story breaks. Like you got that <laughs> fire. Like that's what you want out, out there from from these players. Like. You want them getting after the ball. And, and it shouldn't only be when you're winning. It should also be when you're getting your ass whooped. Absolutely. And, and I think Malcolm's that's point. probably what Malcolm's point was. And, I, you know, I hate to kind of single out anybody, but, I, you know, Nigel Bradham's been a guy that we've talked about before. And Nigel was like Mr. Swarm. He was the guy that, you know, even if he was missing a tackle, he was coming in guns a blazing. And if someone else was missing it, Nigel was right there behind them. And I think that's kind of been emblematic of what we've seen at times from this defense. And as you mentioned, the run defense in particular. I agree with you there. They need more out of Nigel. Um, You know, and I asked Jim Schwartz specifically today. Nigel had a great year last year. Uh, What are you seeing from him this year? And he gave the stock answer, four and six. He, He doesn't want to evaluate players. He always says four and six. But I will say this. When Nigel's playing really well, who's singing his praises? Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz is number so, one. And that's so, just Jim Schwartz's boy. That's like – Yeah, so but, – but I'm saying – More than any other player, it's Jim – Nigel Bradham is Jim Schwartz's boy. I so think when Schwartz goes to that record answer, it's often an, an indication yeah, that there's the something – Yeah, the guy's, guy's not playing well. Exactly. I, 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 it's very clear. I mean, look, you know, we're not idiots here. Nigel hasn't been playing well. I would love but, to ask him about it. Yeah, but you know, it's – yeah, we haven't heard much from Nigel uh, this season at all, uh, both on and off the field. I mean, it goes back to what I was saying. You know, I think some people got on me for for pointing out that there were players that didn't talk after the game, and Malcolm was was technically not one of them because he did speak to uh, NBC and he did speak with a few reporters out in the hallway. He didn't stand by his locker like he usually does. He didn't stand by his locker and answer a bunch of questions like like he always does. And I knew, and you and I mentioned this after the game, where like I bet he's standing by his locker on Tuesday, and absolutely he was standing there and he answered every question, and he came out firing. I mean, you know. He didn't hold anything back. And even at one point when he mentioned the demeanor thing, I had asked him, what do you mean by demeanor? And he kind of like, um, you know, he cursed under his breath a little bit because he knew what he was doing. But as you mentioned, he knows everything he's saying. He's a pretty, pretty smart guy. Um, I want to pull up with the, the, the quote here. When you asked him about uninspired, and he said, and we, we referenced it, but listen to this. When a team jumps on you, and things get wrong, you find out a lot about yourself. You're going to get blown out regardless. You're either going to get blown out swinging or you're going to get blown out or you're going to get blown out laying down, and I think you had a little bit of both. And then he also said, "Some things are just non-negotiable. We can deal with guys getting beat, mistakes happen. If you don't win at the point of attack, cool, but if you don't know what you're doing or you're not giving us everything you got, especially with our backs on the wall, that's just something that as leaders of the team, we need to nip in the bud. Now, Malcolm said this at the start of Tuesday, and I, we asked him, we said, uh, you know, what are you going to do about it? Is there going to be a team meeting? He hadn't said, you know, I don't know, because they hadn't met yet. Mm-hmm. This, they, they're they just have, walking in. They have Mondays off. So he'd watched the film probably by himself. Now they're going to go in and watch it together. 
and a lot's going to happen. I mean, you know, we have yet to see how this is going to play out. We don't know how you know, this week's going to be super important for this team, not just for the season. I think for moving forward too. Like who's going to be here beyond yeah. this coming season? Now we're focused obviously on, on this coming week. But it'll be interesting to see how guys respond in this coming game and whether Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz and the leaders on this team can get them to respond. I've been waiting for someone to say this, though. You know, as someone who covers the team. Um, well, Jason well, Kelsey kind of touched on some issues last week. He did a good week. job last, last week with that. And I, I, I've been waiting. I, I guess I've been waiting for Doug Peterson to say this. Uh, and, and when I say people to say this, I think Doug Peterson, and you, and you mentioned this, I, I know Doug wants to be the player-friendly coach doesn't want to call guys out publicly, but I, I want to see if Doug Peterson's really feeling four and six the way uh, a team that's underachieving like yeah. they are. Well, sure. I, technically, I mean, I don't think I need to see him doing it in the, through the press, to be perfectly frank okay. with you, because Bill Belichick never does that. But I think the, it, the message has to change in the meetings. Well, that's my point. And it's got to change in the locker room. And every time we ask players about it changing, they say it hasn't. So that's the thing that I'm more concerned about. And now you reported in, in the past, specifically Doug's first year, um, kind of the hot water he got into in the locker room with calling guys out. Yeah, and I think that's kind of affecting the way he's handling this now because I think he got a little, he got burned a little bit. He got kind of talked into that by a certain reporter. The in, Cincinnati game? The yep. Cincinnati game. and. I think it was effort was, was the thing that uh, he ended up questioning. And, you know, Malcolm had said that he didn't believe that. And, and he said that we had some issue with that. And they got it kind of sorted out during the leadership council. And that following week, they played hard. They played against the Ravens, I believe, or was it the Redskins? I forget. It was either one of those teams. And they played hard. And then they, they stayed with it the following week after that. That might have been the Redskins game. And then they won their last two games of the year. And Doug always kind of points back to that as uh, kind of a crossroads that he had hit. And he had survived, and it kind of, you know, led to in some ways the, the success he had with the team starting in, with the 2017 off season. But I just wonder if Doug can adjust to, um, you know, basically just to, just like as if you're a head coach, you know, every or you're calling plays, you have to adjust to what the defense is doing to you in a lot of ways. Is Doug adjusting to what this team is now versus what it was last year? No, I, I don't think so. And I put a lot of this on, on Doug, who I've given a lot of credit to. I, I, I was so impressed with what he did last year. I think he's a really good coach. But I think in terms of messaging and think in terms of play calling, he's not doing a good enough job this year. Um, and I, I like how you referred to last year because I think he knew what buttons to push for that team last yeah. year. I don't think he knows what buttons to push for this year's team. It's a lot different coaching – uh, it's a lot different coaching the hunted than it is the underdogs, the team that people are counting out. I think Doug knows how to play that message because I think that's kind of how Doug viewed his career. Right. I think it's a lot harder to do what Bill Belichick's done to Ab- keep the guys motivated when they're the favorites and they're always winning. Absolutely, and we you know we're seeing it this year from the Eagles, and you see it from a lot of teams that won Super Bowls. And look, I mean, this happens. I don't want to overblow it, big picture, because again. There, there are a lot of pieces here that if you can have a good offseason and get the coaching staff uh, set, that they can start – they can be successful down the road. Yep. Um, but I just wonder – and one of those changes that I think could possibly happen is Mike Crow is out as offensive coordinator. That's my prediction right now. Um, he spoke today uh, to the media and he handled, didn't handle himself very well, I thought. He was asked about – 
Golden Tate. Now, the question was phrased in that, has it been difficult to get Tate involved in the offense? And he said, no, not difficult, challenging. Well, I, I understand that he kind of qualified it with that, you know, with the amount of plays that we're playing. That's fine. I get that. There's, there were only 41, 51 offensive plays this past, this past week. But when are you planning to figure out how to utilize a guy that has a great skill set? It's not like Golden Tate is, you know, can do only do one thing. It's not like he hasn't been successful in this league for nine years or ten years or so. Okay, Mike, why can't you get Golden Tate involved? Now, is it because his skill set is too is too similar to that of Nelson Aguilar? I don't know. By the way, that question was asked uh, once they made the trade too. What does this mean for Nelson? You know, yeah, well, these are questions that like, we all asked. Yeah, and and that's my point is that. If we see it, they better see it. Yeah, and the, the, the challenge for integrating him, this should be determined before he comes in. How are you going to use him? I was – both of us were perplexed by how they used him in that first game, 29% of the snaps. Yeah. They played him more this week, but it was like they don't know how to use him. And we've said it all along. When you get a 30-year-old Pro Bowl player at this point in the season – you're, you're not trying to figure it out. You need to do it. Yeah. Um, it. The trade's a mistake if the coaching staff can't figure that out. And I don't blame Golden for this. I don't blame Carson for this. I blame Doug Peterson, Mike Rowe, and the offensive coaching staff. Now, Mike was also asked about, you know, there was a point there where they had to call burn a timeout because they only had 10 players on the field. Uh, there was some communi- miscommunication about whether Nelson Aguilar needed to be on or off. There's another uh, point I think I didn't see this one. Uh, one of the other uh, reporters mentioned just in the interview that apparently Jordan Matthews had been was young at Nelson to get on or off, whatever it is. And then Mike Mike said, you know, Mike took responsibility for that. He said, "That's on me. We got a new guy, and we're trying to figure out with the personnel who is in what and who is." In, but I mean, geez, you're an NFL team. Well, my prediction, and I I don't know this, and I'm not I'm not I'm not letting Mike girl off the hook. I think my girl was falling on the sword for Hunt, for uh, for, for Gunter, for, yeah, for uh, Gunter Brewer because usually, and, and we've seen this, the position coach is the one who is who was shuffling. Absolutely, those on and off. yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, and Gunter, we've talked about Gunter before. Uh, I mean, I'm questioning that hire too as well. Um, and I'll say this about my girl: I I can't defend the offense. I think they've been the biggest problem this year. Seven points was horrible. Especially when you see the offensive shootouts elsewhere, you did a good job writing about that last week. Um, but Doug Peterson is the one whose fingers on the button. Doug Peterson's calling the plays. Uh, Absolutely, I, I think, and I'm, I'm not defending Mike Grove, but I'm trying to dispel this notion that like Frank Reich and John D. Filippo, if only they had them, everything would be better. Yeah, like they were the you know yeah. they were the puppeteers, and Doug was the puppet. Yeah. I mean, come on. Doug. Yeah, yeah, it, it's Doug calling the plays. No, this Doug's is on calling Doug. the play. Yeah, no, Doug's look. Doug kind of comes off as maybe not <laughs> as bright as he is, uh, just the way he handles himself in the press conference. Doug knows what he's talking about as offensive coach. I agree. I mean, he that. he won he won he helped win the Eagles a Super Bowl for the first time in the franchise history. He did it with some wonderful game plans, wonderful play calling. I'm not trying to take that away from him, but this year simply it just hasn't been there. And I do agree at this point now that that losing Frank and John and, and the chemistry that they had in those rooms is certainly having some sort of effect on on the offense. But there's so many other things that are there are so many other things that are yeah. that are factoring into why they haven't been successful. But and then part of it is though who he replaced them with. And Mike Rowe had never been an offensive coordinator in the NFL before. Uh, we were pretty much going upon Doug's word. Now it's hard to be very critical of a Super Bowl winning coach promoting somebody. And Mike had done a nice job as a wide receivers coach in his first year. 
Uh, Nelson Aguilar pretty much turned his career around, and I think Mike certainly deserves credit for that. Um, but I don't want to, as you mentioned, I don't want to overstate it because, again, Doug is the one who's making the, the game plans, final word of the game plans, the final word in the play calling. Yeah. Um, anything else coming out of the locker room for you today? Zach Ertz spoke a little bit. He didn't see it on the offensive side of the ball. No, and, and, and Zach really focused on the X's and O's part, or I, I should say the production part of it. He's been harping on this now for the whole season, which is the start of games and how they, they, they can't be taking these, these big deficits. Um, and he's as frustrated by the way the offense is playing, but, but he, he puts it onto the slow start of games. And, and they simply can't be doing it. And we pointed it out, 21 first quarter points, a 13-3 hole against the Cowboys, a 17-0 hole against the Saints. That's not how you win games. No, nope. Jim Schwartz did speak today. And uh, in the Jim, Jim Schwartz sort of way, he kind of um, he did his best, I think, to explain what had happened on, on Sunday. I mean, when you lose by that much. Um, but the thing he said that he was most disappointed uh, on about was the run defense. And, and I think, you know, I think he's probably right. He said, you know, obviously you're, you're down to three scrubs. Um, I hate to use the word scrubs, but three guys that weren't on the roster even three weeks ago in the secondary, but you are basically but, but gearing up, seven? scheming up to stop yeah. the run. And many times you couldn't do that. Yeah. And, and, and look, the Eagles had the number one run defense last year, but like we said, uh, teams were, were passing on them. They weren't running on them. And I think that uh, as I, I really think what you've seen is when teams are running on the Eagles, they're having success doing it. The Giants with Saquon Barkley, the Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, the, the Saints with Ingram and Kamara. I know these are these really names. good running backs, yep. but look at the yards per carry. And it well, goes to the defensive line. It goes to the linebackers. I know Doug says all, all, all three phases or all three parts of the defense and the Eagles and the Saints did run at the Eagles cornerbacks, but you need to win the point of attack. And the Eagles are not winning the point of attack on defense. And if you look at the next four games, who are they playing in terms of running backs? Saquon Barkley, a renewed Adrian Peterson, mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott, and Tom, Todd Gurley. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you better, get the, you better get the run defense fixed. That's a really good point. Right? Yep. If you can't get the run defense fixed against those guys, you're going to be struggling. I agree. It's, it's a major problem. And the, the first thing the Eagles always talk about is stopping the run. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if it's scheme. Uh, obviously, that wide nine front, there's a lot of responsibility on the linebackers and the safeties and sometimes the cornerbacks. Um, you know, maybe the ISM specifically where, where the defensive are the defensive ends getting too wide and getting yeah. too far upfield. Um, you know, he didn't kind of point the blame at anything. He said, well, you know, team run defense is is 11 man thing. I get that. But the guys up front have to set the tone. Sure. And, and if they're not making plays against the run consistently enough, that's an issue. And if the linebackers aren't filling those gaps and, you know, as we mentioned, Nigel Bradham, Jordan Hicks probably won't be playing on Sunday, it sounds like. Is mm-hmm. that your guess? Yeah, that's my guess. Week to week usually means yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, Avante Maddox, I know Doug said he was day-to-day, but, I mean, he's walking around yeah. with a severe limp. My guess is that he won't be able to play Sunday. And, and let me ask this, though, about the defense, and it's more common than a question, but uh, if, if, uh, if they're not stopping the run and they have the secondary that they have right now because of injuries, what are they going to do with the defense? I've said the offense is the biggest problem this year, and that's been the case through you know ten games this season. But this defense is is going to be a major issue down the stretch if if they're not stopping the run and if they're as banged up as they are because they're not going to make plays in the secondary. Right. I mean, because can they? I mean, 
if, if the offense isn't going to act together, can the defense hold them? I mean, the the whole defense now is going to be, can you hit the quarterback? And Eli Manning's the type of quarterback who the Eagles did a good job hitting him last week. Oh, I'm sorry, last time they played him. But he can get rid of the ball quickly, and they got other guys who they're playing against who can get rid of the ball. Well, quickly. Schwartz said that looking at the defense, uh, looking at the Giants' offense, it seems like they've started to uh, become a little more of a power uh, offense in terms of the two backs and two tight ends, and they're trying to get Saquon evolved a little more in the ground. Uh, I mean, I think you know I'm a huge Saquon Barkley fan. Yeah, and, and you wrote the column on how the Eagles are going to have to see him for. A but at the same time, time, I think he's a guy that you can trap in the backfield sometimes, and I think that's what this defense can do because it is aggressive. So there's an opportunity, obviously, to beat the Giants, and we'll talk about that a little more later this week. But um, you know, they certainly have their uh, they certainly have a test ahead of them. And, and honestly, I think more than anything, it's not the Giants; it's themselves. They have to figure out how to get themselves right before they have any shot of winning any of these games uh, over the next three weeks. I agree with you there. All right, well, that's it for the Bird's Eye View podcast. That's Zach Brown. I'm Jeff McLean, and we'll talk to you next time.